you get these big checks, like you said, and it's like, it's so easy to just like spend it on whatever, whether it's household or business or whatever. And then I really think people need to pay themselves first. Pay yourself first, whether it's savings or retirement or something. I think that's really also lacking in uh, this profession. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. I'm excited about this interview. We should have hit record a few minutes ago. I've been talking now for a couple minutes to Shayla Twitt from Sarasota, Florida with Caldwell Banker out there. She just started listening to the podcast fairly recently, but she has caught up and listened to a bunch of them. We were sharing about that and excited to have her on here. Really just crushing her real estate business, wants to be able to share some of the secrets and some of the ups and downs she's had. Shayla, how's it going? Great. How are you today? Good, good. So the... So you've listened to a lot of the podcast stuff now. Do you have a favorite either podcast or a favorite message that you heard on one of them that has st- stuck out to you? Oh my gosh. I I got sucked into the podcast and I was just, I was hooked. I, I, I don't think I really have a favorite. I just like, I like listening to other top agents around the country and sort of comparing notes. So I just um, soaking in all of the content really. So cool. it's really interesting to to go back and listen to some of the old ones we were saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you want to get a crash course in, uh, in predictions and, and seeing what people got right and what people got wrong, she, uh, Shayla's back listening to all of our 2020 episodes. So if you're in January and February, life's normal. And then if you're in March and April, we're like, hold on to your seats. I don't know what's going to happen next. Fun little, what is it? Like a little time capsule, a little time capsule of what I was thinking every week for during the craziness. Um, when did you become a real estate agent? So I became a realtor in 2002, right out of college and young and dumb, knew nothing about, first of all, I was not from Sarasota, Florida. I'm originally from Stevens Point, Wisconsin. And the reason I came to Sarasota was I had a younger brother that came here to Ringling Art School, which if you talk about Sarasota, it's hard to avoid hearing about Ringling School of Art and Design. It's a pretty uh, world-renowned art school. And that just sort of brought me here. And within the first six months, everywhere I went, everybody was talking about real estate. So I just thought, you know, I'll use my business degree in some capacity, I guess. And I thought I would enjoy it and do well at it. And so I just, um, you know, I took the test and got my license. And then the reality started. in 2002. So it's been 19 years now. Wow. So 2002, I think a lot of people would tell you that's probably like at least the first couple of years felt like really good timing. 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005, big, big real estate boom years, kind of similar to what we're feeling right now. Like everybody was talking real estate. Everybody was investing in real estate. Not very many people like remember some of the stories, the ups and downs from back then. That was the time I was a home builder back then. And the, and I remember as soon as we built the houses, they would sell. It was like the easiest job ever in 2003, 2004. Um, so for your first couple of years of real estate, like how was it? Was it hard to get your first deal? Like how hard did you have to work? When did you get to feel like you knew what was going on? Oh man, I think I had like the longest learning curve. I mean, <laughs> 
basically I, I linked in with a really top agent. I mean, really quickly on, I basically sat with the broker of uh, Remax properties at the time. He took quite a bit of time with me, um, hooked me up with a top agent. Um, she's still a top agent to, to this day. And I did learn a lot. She introduced me to the Buffini system. There's like Buffini, Tom Ferry. So I was really lucky to have sort of like a really solid baseline to go from and more of like the old school techniques of, you know, getting business like repeat referral and who you know, and, and that sort of thing. But it took me like six months to make my first sale, which I feel is pretty consistent. And it was for 250. I'm still in touch with that first client. <laughs> we actually spoke not too long ago. And so it was just really pretty inconsistent for the first couple of years. Um, and, and I did a lot of, I worked with primarily buyers for the most part. So, so the, so back then, so 2004, 2005 representing buyers, what, after your fusion, what was the average kind of price point then? And what were the biggest challenges representing buyers in that market? I think my biggest challenge, well, to answer your question, I would say the average was, I mean, my first sale was 250 And of course, I had to split that with the other agent. Um, and, and of course, I was fine with that because I was so excited. I mean, right out of college, you don't have any money. So like $5,000 or whatever, you know, however much it was, <laughs> was a lot then. Um, and so I was pretty consistently probably under the 500000 marker. I mean, again, I was young. So, you know, 21 right out of school. So I looked young. And I also didn't really know the area. so. That for me was a long learning curve. I was directionally challenged. So that was, that was a challenge to me to figure out where everything was um, being new in town. And so I would say, you know, it took me a little bit to get established. Yeah. The being in, being a new agent during a busy real estate time when a lot of, when it was like multiple offer scenarios and stuff back then. Um, what advice would you give yourself now or what advice would you give new agents now that are figuring out the same thing in today's market, especially on the buyer side, newer agents, most often are representing buyers. How do they distinguish themselves? How can they compete? What advice would you give? Oh man, there's so many things. I know that my, one of my biggest regrets or advice I could give someone now is that I was so afraid to spend the money, you know, and just dabble in a few different avenues of where to spend the money for your, you know, promoting yourself and getting yourself out there. I was just so stingy with that. And I wish I would have been a little bit more open-minded to spending the money. Cause I was just so frugal, you know, being right out of school and everything. So I would say that would be number one. And number two, I think there's such a lack of communication in the field. I think it's, you know, there's a lack of like professionalism almost to some degree because there's the lack of this communication follow through. So, I mean, as long as I have a client, you're going to be communicated with, you're going to follow through. So I think that that is, um, that's something I would advise new agents, whether they're working with buyers or sellers and just to stand out above other people that are not doing that. Yeah. Just to do better at communication than anybody else, because that is such a simple part of it that a lot of people are missing. And the, we were on a, we had a production meeting call today with some of our team. And one of the problems is no, I'm sending, I'm sending the call. I'm doing the call and I'm doing the text message and they're saying they're going to send it to me. And then they never do. He, I said, Hey, I need to send over those pictures. And he said, okay, but he still didn't send anything. And now it's been a day. Like, what do I do? There's literally no excuse. So just don't be lazy. I mean, there's, everybody has 24 hours in a day. So, you know, I'm a really early bird person. I've always been that way. And I mean, 
you know, you just have to maximize your every day. I mean, I was working two jobs when I started. So it was just, you know, I was full-time real estate and then full-time like waiting tables at night. So it's like, you just have to, you know, like I can't want it more than you, you know what I mean? Like you can have a mentor, but they can't want it more than you. So I think it's actions over just talk as well. Like you got to put in the work and you have to put your time in, especially as a brand new agent. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to get into the journey of what it was like from 2002 to now, but I also want to let people know why they should be listening to you now. So now you're in Sarasota. How many deals have you done this year? What volume are you going to hit by the end of the year? What's your average price point? All that, all that fun stuff. Sure. Um, so over the last 12 months, we've done about 30 million uh, and that consists of about 38 deals. And currently our average price point is 1.3 million. Very cool. So you got those deals in process and that is a lot different than doing a few deals at 250 or at 350 back when you started your career. So I think of, I love getting to talk to people that were in real estate in the, you know, between 2000 and, and 2010, because mm-hmm. there's, there's just so many things we have to learn from that period that I think people can learn from now. So 2005, 2006, I was working for this home builder and we were selling houses as quick as we could build them. And we were golfing three days a week and it was easy. And about 2007, we started to feel in, uh, in Southern California, we started to feel like a pinch changing. By beginning of 2008, we laid off 75 people. There was five of us left. Like I was, a, I was the only employee that was left on the team. And we went from like managing our teams to actually doing the manual labor. And we're at houses like doing trash outs. We're trying to do these bank workouts. It was a quick change from, well, I got this college degree. I'm running this big home builder to I'm cleaning, I'm sweeping. I'm like trying to fix a garage door myself because we can't afford to pay any contractors while we're trying to let the bank short, the bank let us short sale these houses. What was your experience from like say 2005 to 2009, especially as a new agent? Oh man, that w- what a blur. I would rather forget that. Although, you know, listen to your point about doing the little things that you're talking about, like the cleaning of the garage doors and stuff. I'm still not above that. I would still, because I'm representing these properties, like I'm still not above, you know, doing a little sweeping and cleaning. Okay. So just put that out there. But I feel like if you could get through that great recession time period where there's so many auctions, so many short sales, like if you can maneuver through that and those types of transactions, I mean, you can sell anything, you know, cause literally like the luxury end is just, I find to be a much easier market. It's, for us, I would say the under 400,000 in this day and age, or maybe during that time, you know, under 250 or whatever, those were the most challenging properties to sell. So, you know, waiting for, you know, I, I remember having a backup on a short sale and we're like, oh, you know, what are the chances that we're going to actually become first position? And then you have to wait forever. <laughs> so I remember one we had in uh, on Longboat Key and Beach Place and we were the, you know, the backup to a short sale. And lo and behold, the, the first party ended up backing out for whatever reason. And we ended up closing it. Fast forward, we ended up selling that property this year for double what they paid. So it's just, I, I mean, quite a contrast in the two different markets, like polar opposites, I would say. But again, I think in general, if you could, if you can maneuver th- through that and through a really difficult market, you can maneuver through this as a veteran agent in 2021. 
Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui for a quick commercial break. So during 2020 and 2021, the real estate market completely changed. There's so much competition in the market, so many people trying to buy and sell houses, but there's hardly any supply, hardly any product, hardly anyone willing to list their homes. It's time for every agent out there to become a hybrid agent investor to be able to reach out directly to homeowners to try to get them to sell or list their house. We've got a new website. Go to leadpropeller.com and you can set up your own investor buyer website in just minutes. You'll set up your own URL, set up phone numbers, help go through the leads, help reach out to people that aren't listing their pro their property currently and have them fill out a form that says, hey, I wanna sell my house. And then as an agent, you can go through and make them a hybrid offer. You can tell them, hey, I think your house would sell for $220,000 on MLS, but I can either write you a $180,000 cash offer right now, or I can help you fix it up and you'll list it for 220,000 on MLS. These are buyers that are looking for quick cash offers. Tens of thousands are submitting these forms every single day and they're skipping the listing process. But so many of you guys out there are such good agents, it's a great opportunity to get that lead and help them maximize sales price for their home. So again, go to leadpropeller.com and think about signing up for your own investor site so buyers will start reaching out to you, asking you to make an offer on their home. So you talked about you love being in luxury, right? Like it's a good, it's a good market, but you obviously had to work your way to get there. What advice would you give somebody on how they can work their way into a luxury market? Because hardly anybody starts at that level. I, I've interviewed a few people lately that they'll, they'll tell you that they've they had a pretty lucky time. They started in luxury and it worked out pretty well for them. But how, how did you work your way into that? If somebody says, hey, I'm doing $250,000 houses right now, but I really want to be doing $1 million houses, how can I get there? I remember because I don't know if you've been to Sarasota, but there's a bridge It's called the Ringling Bridge that goes over the Sarasota Bay. And I remember so vividly, I was in the car with a friend and I said, you know, I'm going to shift gears because I really want to work the Longboat Key market. So that's, a, it still is, a, you know, at the time and it still is, you know, more of the luxury market as is Siesta Key in the Barrier Islands. And I remember just driving over the bridge and saying like, this is where, this is where I love this is where I enjoy, this is where I really know that I will excel in this market. And I'm going to make a point of, you know, just refocusing my efforts, refocusing my marketing. And, you know, I ended up doing some transactions out there and I sort of got noticed by the Longboat Key office, um, which has the biggest market share out there. And I, she actually ended up several years after trying to recruit me and I was turning her down just because I wasn't ready for the move and I was going through some things in my personal life. But after a couple of meetings and after the push of the number one agent in this local market, um, that was the, that was the push that I needed to move over to co-banker. And so being at that office, the top market share office, like I was able to like, you know, garner that attention that I needed from the luxury market. So it was, a, it was many, many years to get there. <laughs> a lot of battles, but you know. But you changed your focus. You specifically said, I'm going to start targeting this area instead. I'm going to start targeting this price point instead. And then you had some help along the way. How, do you remember how you got that first luxury deal? Like the, you like, was it a, were you a buyer? Were you a seller? Do you remember how you got that? Client? Buyer. I was, see, I had been selling out there on Longboat already. So a lot of the agents in my office, like kind of knew me or like had dealt with me and the buy, I was representing the buyer side. 
Um, and I feel like the seller side in that market in particular takes a while because again, you're still kind of young and like there's these agents that have been doing this 30 years out there. And so it's hard. It's, it was a really difficult market to sort of creep your way into because you've got like the big players. I mean, Longbow Key is not very big, you know? And so you've got these bigger players that you were competing against. And so I, I would say, I mean, it took a little bit and I mean, I'm doing a lot of different avenues of marketing like mailers and, you know, just being out there online and all that, get that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. So the, you, you talked a little bit about uh, to me before was it wasn't just a, you know, a keep going up. We briefly got to touch on, you know, in 2007, 2008, it got a little harder and you survived that market. But there's also, there's a lot of inspiration to your story too, of like a point where you could, you could have given up. You could have said, Hey, this isn't the right way. Maybe it would have seemed my understanding, like seemed like, how could I, how could I get out of this? And then now you're doing 30, 40 million a year in sales. Um, mind talking about that a little bit? Yeah, I don't mind. I've, um, well, you know, like a lot of people, they've had, they had a really hard time during the recession. I was way over leveraged. I didn't listen to my parents. They always taught me to save and be frugal and be smart with your finances. And I kind of thought I knew everything right. But, you know, during the recession, like I said, I was way over leveraged. I ended up finally, I came to the conclusion that the best thing for me to move forward was to file bankruptcy and, it was a really, really tough pill to swallow because I felt like I had to swallow so much pride. But once I made that decision, it was like I could breathe. And I mean, I had no money. It was like I, I could barely fill up my gas tank. And so it was really, really tough. And I remember one day my dad sat me down and finally just he only asked me one time and he's like, are you sure you even want to be in this business? Like, look at like where you're at. And I said, you know what? It drove me to give me that fire inside to be like, almost like prove him wrong, but like my dad has always been supportive, you know? And so for him to ask me that finally, I was like, no way, this is what I want to do. I'm going to come out of this myself. And I did, you know, you just inch by inch, you climb your way out of it. And I feel like if, if you can go through that, you can, I mean, you can go through anything like COVID, we have, we have red tie, we have hurricanes. I mean, there's so many things that come our way just in Florida and in real estate and business that, if you can climb your way out of something like that, I feel like, you know, sky's the limit. So it was a tough road. It was really hard to talk about for quite a while. Um, and then I finally just decided to open up because I felt like other people that I respected were also going through it. And so it helped me bring it up and talk about it and in hopes of maybe helping other people too. So yeah. it's so important to be able to share some of those stories. I mean, a lot of people know that uh, my personal story, I've had, I had several like return to zero moments, had several lost it all moments within a period of, so it's happened to me three times. So three times got reset to zero and, wow. you know, and I got to learn something new each time, but that battle back, I know every time I've really been bottoms, maybe the wrong word, but every time I've actually just had a, some big struggles. There's always been that chance to say, do you, do you shift gears or not? Or if so, what do you shift and how can you turn this into motivation? It sounds like you were able to, to kind of turn it into motivation. And I think some of that too, that people get caught up in with, especially, especially with finances or, or bankruptcy or things like that. That's like, uh, those things are put in place as a business decision. Right, like so many big businesses, big companies have filed bankruptcy X amount of times. Right, it's, it's put in place for people to have an opportunity to do a reset 
And, um, and it really depends on what people come out afterwards. So, you know, as listeners out there, sometimes we do get people that are, you know, I, I love having the Uber drivers that are thinking about getting their license. You know, recently, <laughs> recently interviewed a gal that she was a, a vice, vice principal or principal at a, at a school. And she was listening to the podcast while she was driving to work and decided to quit being a teacher, quit being a, a principal so she could get her license. And she's been crushing it. And there could be other things you guys are going through going, maybe, you know, what's the thing that's going to happen? There's always the biggest thing with hope is there's always a way to, to climb out of something. And, you know, life is short, but life is also long. So if we can play the long game and dig out, you know. Yeah. And you got to respect someone who hustles. I think if someone's super energized and positive and they're a go-getter and you really want it that badly, like you'll become successful no matter if it's real estate or something else. I mean, you, you have to want it and you have to get after it. Nobody else can do that for you. So I mean, we were taught that I've got three other siblings and we were all sort of taught that from a really young age, like to work hard and, you know, I just made some bad decisions and, you know, I just figured it out. <laughs> yeah. How would, how are you getting all your business now? What's your, what's your, how would you rate, you know, are you buyer agent versus seller agent and what sort of ways are you getting your leads? Yeah. So year to date, we're at about 50, 50 listings to buyers. So it kind of fluctuates um, here for me personally, uh, because we are, we have a lot of snowbirds here too. And I think depending on the time of year, it kind of fluctuates between 60 to 75% listings to, you know, 50, 50 or whatever. I like having a 50, 50 business model um, because you know, the buyers are eventually going to be your sellers and the sellers are great, especially right now. Who doesn't want a listing, even if it's overpriced and still might sell, you know? Um, but we get a lot of repeat, I would say, so I looked at everything year to date and the majority of our clients were repeat clients and following that were like social media online kind of, you know, from that. And then another category that we've really started, we haven't really even tapped into until this year are the agent referrals, whether they're other parts of Florida or just around the country, we average about two to three per month. And I'll just get a call out of the blue from an agent, you know, that I've never talked to. Like I have a listing right now on Siesta from an agent whose uncle, well, it's her, it's his niece who lives in Maui. And she just called me out of the blue. She found me online. We both happen to be with Cole Banker as well. And ended up listing it. So, you know, those are, that is such an amazing resource and has been for us that we're just starting to tap into that a little bit more now. Is there anything you can do to increase the amount of referrals you get? Or is it mostly people are going to reach out to you because you're also in Caldwell Banker or in the same office? Have you figured out a way to actually grow that side of a business? Um, to increase it, I would say like just staying in touch with these people just in general, whether it's your past clients, we have like, so in our database, we have them sectioned off like a lot of agents do. So we like we have different groups within the database, and one of those are agents, one of those past clients, or you know other miscellaneous groups. And I don't, I'm not a fan of like inundating people. Like I just because I find it to be annoying. <laughs> so I think moderation is key, and and giving them good content so that they're interested in video and just like short snippets. And so just being top of mind, really. Yeah. is the key. I like that. So um, the, are you doing any paid ads online right now? I do. The only paid ads I do, I spend like a, about 500 a month on my website for like Google ads. So yeah, I, I developed a website maybe four, maybe 
three to four years ago. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of newer, I guess, when you look at, you know, website stuff, but it's, um, so we've tapped into that a little bit and most of those tend to be like buyer leads, but we've had some seller leads from that too. But yeah, we do Google ads as well. That's pretty crazy though. Cause you're not spending a ton on outbound marketing or you're not spending a ton on inbound marketing. Like you're getting it from referrals from your database, from following up with people. Has it always been like that? Have you ever, is there a re- or is there a reason you're not also adding a bunch of money on inbound leads? No, sir. It has not always been like that. Actually, it was, it could not be more polar opposite. So today we're at about 20% of whatever the gross income I bring in is my, like, I guess, I guess call write-offs, right? So like Mark, that would include marketing, my full-time assistant, and just anything you can write off on your taxes. Um, but it could not have been more opposite. Like back in the day, I, I've, still kind of embarrassingly known to be like the Zillow queen because I was spending thousands, okay, a month on Zillow leads. And at the time they were, I mean, I made a lot of money from it, but I would say like, I personally think that Zillow sort of peaked in terms of ROI in 2016 because I felt like I was starting to see the writing on the wall in terms of like the, the quality of the leads. So they changed their platform from like, and then they changed it to like this auction platform. And then it was just like all kinds of stuff that I just, I just wanted to like lower my exposure from what I was doing. I was working so much harder with, that model. And, you know, I'm proud to say right now I'm spending a dollar a month just to keep my Zillow premier status. <laughs> so really proud of that. And that was, that was not without help from my broker. I made it, that was the thing because I sat with my broker. I, I chased her because I wanted her knowledge. I wanted her insight. Someone that runs a top office to tell me, we, we literally did a deep dive in all my expenses, business and personal and little by little, I just climbed my way out of that Zillow stuff. I mean, it was, it was a lot. And I can't even imagine spending that much right now on Zillow because it's like primarily buyers. Yeah. Real Estate Rockstars, this is a commercial break from our biggest podcast sponsor we have right now, Rent Ready. It can be fun getting a new real estate deal, but it can be tough managing your properties after the fact, especially if you're long distance investing or trying to manage multiple properties by yourself. That's why we're here to tell you about RentReady. RentReady is a property management software that not only makes it easier to manage all your real estate deals from one platform, but they also have the best customer service support in the biz. They're an all-in-one app that lets you easily manage properties, collect rent, list units, screen tenants, sign leases, all from your phone or computer. Imagine all of your real estate doors right in your pocket. How awesome is that? The best part is it's so affordable, one flat price for everything, unlimited properties, tenants and support with a real live human. And I have to add in there, that's a new business model that not a lot of people are doing. There's like this freemium model where people say, hey, you can try this, but as soon as you grow, it's gonna cost you a lot of money. Or they kind of punish you when you get too many emails on your list or too many companies. They aren't gonna punish you when you grow. They're not gonna charge you more when you get 10, 20, 30 rentals. They're gonna charge you the same when you have two or three as they will when you have 50 or 60. So you have a nice fixed cost, all software, all in one place. Check it out, RentReady, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. And if that's not enough, RentReady is giving our listeners a special code you can use to get a whole year of RentReady for just $54. Use code R-O-C-K-S-T-A-R-50, that's Rockstar50, and sign up for RentReady's annual plan at RentReady.com. Again, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I 
rockstarfifty.com with code rockstar50 to get rent ready for only $54. I mean, I think that's part of the evolution of real estate a lot of the time is, you know, you're spending a bunch on marketing. And then eventually you don't need to because now you have a database. But when you're fresh, like getting, you know, somebody from out of town wanting to buy a house in your area, like th- that's what those leads are going to get you. That somebody from from now you're actually getting them because they recognize you or from some of that that other transition. What's what's next for you? So other than your goals of volume, do you have any big goals over the next couple of years as you drive your real estate business? Well, I guess I'm listening to a lot of your podcasts, Aaron. I would say like, you know, I, I don't, and I don't know what the predictions are, what kinds of predictions for the future, but in terms of like, you know, buying some more real estate, I don't know if that's going to be by way of foreclosure or whatever, but buying a lot in a more smart fashion, I guess I would say, and holding on to those, using those as rentals. I mean, obviously more sales and we are looking for another teammate. So I, I mean, I'm not a big fan of like growing too big too quickly. I like quality um, people. My assistant's actually, her name is Shayla as well. So there's two of us. And so she, I know she's been with me for five years. We're a great team, but we do need a little bit more help. So we're looking to add someone else and maybe slowly grow a little bit bigger, you know, maybe have a buyer's agent. I'm just, you know, I, I tend to refer to the agents um, right now that if I can't handle them within my office, we've got a great culture within the office. So we've got our sort of team loosely already set up with that too, but that would yeah. be about it. What's your favorite thing about being a real estate agent or realtor? I guess the freedom, I guess I could go like, you could slice that either way, right? So you say freedom, but there are a lot of hours, but I think because I love what I do. It doesn't feel like work sometimes. And I grew up hearing my dad say that. And now I'm like, okay, I'm such an adult now because, you know, it is more fun because I'm interested in it and I'm interested in seeing people, you know, realize their real estate goals, which is exciting. Yeah. So, And I love what you said too, about now finding the right time to invest. You know, one one of my recent interviews with Sean O'Toole, we talked about, even though the market is on fire right now and prices have gone up so much, it's still a great time to invest. It's not a great time to speculate. And there is a big difference with that, right? But the, but I think all of our all of our agents and all of our listeners out there should be practicing practicing what they preach, right? Like and, and buy houses and own houses. It's really funny between 2009 and 2012, I bought and sold over a thousand houses. So I was a, you know, as a flipper, bought them, bought foreclosures, fixed them, sold them, bought foreclosures, fixed them, sold them. And I didn't own the house I lived in. I was renting the house I lived in. And I remember so many of different my inv- different investment partners and stuff would say, Aaron, why don't you own anything? Why don't you own your house? And I well, was like, why are you, yeah, they're like, why are you a renter? And I was like, you know, I don't want to pay retail for a house. I'm going to want to buy it at auction and get a deal. And if I get a great deal, I'm going to want to sell it and make the profit. And mm-hmm. then when I lost everything in like 2013, 2014, I remember going, if I would have just kept 50 of those as rentals or a hundred of those as rentals, because it was literally over a thousand, like 30 or 40 a month. The, if I have just kept this many as rentals, I'd have been set for life. And so that was my new Next thing that I didn't say, but you don't know till you don't know. And I think it's the same thing that can happen with real estate for agents, especially right now, tons of commissions coming in for people. Some people are having the best years of their lives. It's so easy to think this is going to stay for a while, but doing some investing now for when it slows back down, I think it's so important. Yeah. I would say one of my biggest goals, like over the last couple of years has been to really solidify my retirement. I don't know how many 
so many agents don't even have retirement and that's just so scary. And for me, I, now I have like a really well-rounded retirement. I live really pretty frugally. Like I like nice things, you know, and I'll go and buy nice things here and there. But I mean, like, I don't, I really don't have any debt. And I mean, I own my house outright and I really, um, I've taken great lengths and great pride in making sure that my retirement is fully funded and ongoing and ever changing to, you know, get to the goals that I want to eventually retire. I mean, yeah, I'd like to, st I mean, maybe I'll still sell in retirement. I would love to be able to do that. And, you know, as I have time, but I don't, I want the option to retire if that's what, you know, who knows if your health declines, God forbid, or whatever, you just want to have that option. Um, and so that's, I think that's really important because you get these big checks, like you said, and it's like, it's so easy to just like, spend it on whatever, whether it's household or business or whatever. And then I really think people need to pay themselves first, pay yourself first, whether it's savings or retirement or something. Um, I think that's really also lacking in uh, this profession. Yeah. Especially since, you know, March last year, we've been talking a lot about diversifying, you know, we've, we've had people on here talking about how to buy a small business or buy, you know, with everything. I think uh, all of our listeners, it's like real estate specialists first. You talked about when you first got your license, you were a waitress at night and was, you know, you were an, an agent during the day and things like that. And being able to take, take it to, we never know what's going to happen. I mean, no one would have predicted last year would have gone so crazy. One of our questions, the, the pre-questions that we sent you out was if you were on stage to succeed, what would the name of your panel be? Your answer was getting real estate fit with Shayla Twit. Now that's catchy and that's clever, but how, how would you elaborate on that? <laughs> well, I actually have a YouTube channel, Get Real Estate Fit with Shayla Twit. Awesome. I like how it. I, I like it. How would I say, ask me the question one more what, time? So what, what do you talk about on your real estate, on your real estate stuff? If you were, and again, if you had like two or three minutes to give a big, big pitch, like your TED talk, what would it be? I mean, we kind of shifted gears. Like I want to talk about Sarasota and like, you know, because I feel like it's easy to get like, okay, we have another listing, we have another buy, like, you know, another sale or whatever. And I mean, I really want to, I want people to know about Sarasota more. And so that's like, you know, we've talked about that a little bit more in, in the um, YouTube channel that I have to make it a little bit more interesting. And, you know, I feel like we've had really good reception on that. And of course I talk about like stats and the important things like that and the rates and like advice we would give just to keep the conversation interesting, the topics like of what people actually really want to hear about. And then we do like buyer and sell seller video testimonials and just things like that. And just sort of like a wide array of topics and things that we do on the channel. So I've had so many agents on here that talk about how strong YouTube is for their business and how, um, how great it is because when they meet people, people feel like they know them already. People are yeah. like, they already feel like long friends and it's like the agents are having to catch up. So the, everybody sends in an item for our toolbox where people can go to, go to hybendigital.com uh, and you can get, you can sign up to get our free toolbox where that's like a, a, something of value from each of our agents uh, that the listeners can go get. I'm excited. So the one that you put on there is that your toolbox item is going to be 16 questions to ask sellers when they ask you to discount your commission. This is the age old function of real estate. I mean, remember, I especially remember it in 2005. I especially remember it in 2011, you know, as foreclosures of if people are getting a whole, or if you're getting a whole bunch of REO listings, like, can you just charge less? Um, and then now the sellers are like, why do I need an agent? 
to list it, I could put a sign up out front and I'll get an offer. So I'm sure the question is coming back. What's one or two things that questions that you ask a seller if they're asking you to discount your commission? Well, one of the, I don't know if it's a question, more like a conversation piece is, I guess I would say, you know, I would tell them, all right, well, I first kind of divert a little bit because I'm like, okay, did you take the opportunity to look at all of the things I will do for you in terms of marketing? So we don't ever like chins out on like the quality. It's always first class everything. And no matter the price point, we spend the money because first impressions are so important. So we don't you know, skimp on that. And I feel like, you know, if you looked at everything I sent you, like what of the marketing would you like me to take out? Because we are, you know, full service, full package team, and we're going to go above and beyond to showcase your property and really hold everybody's hand through the process, you know? And also if I'm, if I'm so quick to like discount myself, what does that tell you about how I'm going to negotiate for you and your, your bottom dollar? So, I mean, like at the end of the day, you care about your net, what if I can get you the same net and I can get my commission and we both win. So because I'm marketing, you know, in a first class fashion and putting your property in the best light possible, that's going to garner the type of buyers that are willing to pay that extra. And because I'm a veteran agent, I know how to maneuver through negotiations to get the best net for you. So these are just things that come up in conversation and it's tougher right now. I would say, I mean, it's what September 1st, 2021, it comes up more often than not as of like the last few years, I would say it's almost every six, even my repeat clients ask, I mean, and I, I offer, you know, I, I mean, we're 6%, it's three and three. I tell them if I sell it myself, I'll do it for five and a half. Most of them agree to that. And then you're not really feeling like, you know, it's like you're not giving up too much, but you know, they want to feel like they won something and so do we, and we still want the business. And so we just try to compromise, but still maintain our integrity and the level of quality and service that we provide. Yeah. We even see it on Facebook right now. Somebody saying, Hey, I have a house list. Who wants to do it for 1% commission? Who wants to do it for half a percent commission? You know, technology is overcoming so much of the the flat rate listing stuff. I can't wait to read the rest of the kind of the 16 Mm -hmm. items that you had on there. But I, I really like what you said about saying, which ones of the things that we do would you like us to not do? Right? And also we don't get the whole 3% or whatever the, you know, we don't, we have to feed our family. We have to pay our broker. We have to pay our staff and we have to advertise. I mean, so like what's left over, like we don't get that whole 3%. So I think a little bit of compromise again, like they feel like they won something. And listen, if they've done many deals with me, like there's, that's a different discussion. If you're, if you've never worked with me before is, you got to make up your decision, your, your mind on how you want to deal with that, or your office might have some protocols for that. But, you know, we are full service. You know, we pay attention to every single seller and every single buyer. We treat the same, whether we have both sides or not, it takes the same amount of work, you know? (laughs) So I guess if you lay it all out on everything that you do and showcase your value to the client, I think they have, they're harder pressed to negotiate that further. Yeah. I like it. The Shalo, any, any final thoughts for our listeners? It's been so fun getting to, to know you better. I know there's, there's gotta be something that you were hoping to talk about that I forgot to ask. Any final thoughts, of, uh, encouragement, anything you want to tell our listeners? Gosh, I would say, I don't know. For me, I've maintained my business as trying to under promise and over deliver. Like don't try, don't promise people something that you can't deliver, but you know, don't make it out to be more than it is. And then just wow them through the process, I would say. And, you know, 
I think reviews are important. Your reviews will speak volumes. I mean, chasing those reviews are really important, whether it's Zillow or Google. Um, you know, we, we started doing the testimony, the video testimonials and hearing just from a live person too. I, I enjoy those, especially if it's like an actual live closing instead of a mail away closing, you know? So we're just trying to change with the times. That's all. <laughs> yeah. I love that. There's so much there under promise, overperform, wow them in the process, chase those reviews. You've got a bunch of five-star reviews on Google, Zillow, LinkedIn. Uh, and then I also like that idea too, even at the closing table, like getting that video testimonial while they're the most excited. That's something that it is so hard to chase those testimonials later or so hard to have people fill out later. And it's almost tough to ask. I think a lot of agents have a tough time with saying, can you please give me a, a ranking? Can you please, you know, I ask our podcast listeners all the time, go give us a review. Go on there. We get hundreds of thousands of listeners every week and I'll get one or two reviews a week. And it's, it's baffling to me. It's baffling that we don't get more people coming on and saying, Aaron, talk more about this or talk less about this, or we loved this one, or we didn't love that one. So the, uh, so yeah, chasing those reviews. I don't have a way to chase those reviews, but if you're sitting with someone at the closing table, what a way to do it. The yeah. Shayla, people are going to want to reach out to you. They're going to want to ask you about your YouTube page. They're going to want to ask you how it, you know, advice when you're selling those $1.3 million houses. What's the best way people can come find you? I would say, I mean, I'm on, I'm on all the platforms. So Instagram is at Shayla Twit. My LinkedIn, Shayla Twit. There's only like one Shayla Twit, I believe, on the planet. So wow. it's just like it sounds Twit, T W I T, and it's Shayla, S H A Y L A. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, pretty active on Facebook as well. So you can find me pretty much anywhere. How lucky you're the only Shayla Twit on the planet. I'm probably the only Aaron Amuchastegui on the planet, um, but we'll yet to discover the rest. The real estate rock stars, I hope you guys love this interview as much as I did. I've been looking forward to talking to Shayla for a while. We've been chatting over the last couple of months uh, with, with voice chats and everything else about what we we're going to talk about today. It was a lot of fun. Shayla, thanks for coming on the podcast and real estate rock stars. Thanks for listening. All right, real estate rock stars, this is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one and I wanna make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have and also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every punny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate how to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at 
rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.